Welcome to the Warning Track Power Hour. I am Dr. Andrew Scaff. He is Dr. Michael Werman, Esquire. Uh, we're here this week to talk about um, last week in the NFL, which was the week 10. Uh, we'll review our picks uh, from last week, which seem to be improving maybe a bit on our uh, our uh, uh, our locks of the week, at least anyway. <laughs> uh, we'll give a little preview for next week's um NFL games and new picks, uh, but we'll start today with a, a bit of an off story. We have the the Chiefs were in a bye week, so there's a less that we would typically talk about, at least anyway, on on this episode. So, Mike, there were a rash of firings in college and the pros actually after poor performance of the of the last week. Uh, but maybe most interesting, at least for for us to talk about anyway, um, can you envision? a scenario where someone would pay you $76 million to not do your job? Um, if I were somehow hired as the coach of a major university's football team, I think maybe they would pay me that much because I would do a terrible job because I wouldn't care. Well, you, and, would, you would accept the going rate for a major yeah, college program. Somehow they'd hire me. I would I would actually try and like like drop good plays and stuff, but I would be a terrible recruiter. I wouldn't real you know I would maybe I'd be okay because I'd just say well we'll, we'll be we'll work smarter not harder and you know we'll we'll you know and I delegate uh, stuff to my underlings and then just uh, you know be the figurehead of a you know of the organization. Maybe I could do that. But then I would guess, though, that probably I wouldn't do that well and I would get fired. And if they paid me all that much money, they probably wouldn't want me back. And I wouldn't really want to go work anywhere else if I was getting that much money to do nothing, even if it was coach football. Um, yeah. So I just sit on my I just sit on that pile of cash, although there might be some clause in the contract that says that you can't just sit on the money. You have to try to mitigate the damages. So, like, you have to try to go get another job in football. And then they would pay you, um, like instead of the maybe they owe Jimbo eight million a year or something like that. They might only since if you could become a it's almost it's almost ten. It's the remaining eight years of his contract. Okay, so, so ten, also oh, not nine and a half million probably. Yeah. Uh, so like if you can get a job coaching someplace else for a million a year, uh, maybe you'd only they'd only pay eight and a half, and they'd want that would be okay or something. Yeah. Um, when do you just take a job like coaching a high school somewhere and then yeah it's one of those like 100k a year and then some contracts have it that you have to try to get a job uh that is in your field that is the best you can get and they might say well you can do better than coaching high school you should be a college coach or an nfl coordinator or something like that and that's yeah. how much money we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna pay you uh minus so like you know if you so, so they might, you know, so there, there are those things in, 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 in the way it's like those contracts are going to be argued over a lot. So like when they say, oh, he's got $76 million left on his contract, that doesn't mean that he's going to get all that. So oftentimes they have also a buyout. Those say, well, we'll, we'll give you 40 million. Uh, I think uh, that was, so. I think the 76 million is the buyout. What's oh, the buyout? Well, they, okay. <laughs> so they, they've, well, maybe they'll pay him. I guess they already negotiate that. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. But I think um, he was only two years into this 10-year extension that he had. So That was dumb. That's, that's I don't know why. I mean, I mean, we've seen this with, uh, like, you know, just recently with the Raiders, too, where, you know, they were willing to eat an excessive amount of money just to, like, 
not have McDaniel. Josh McDaniels around. around. Yeah. So uh, apparently, this is like a thing that happens. I'd like to be that that hated to have people pay me to really go away. Just to go away, not just to not work here. Go somewhere the, else. The, the the old Dr. Seuss book, Marvin K. Mooney, will you please go now? Uh, would be, you know, something that maybe uh, maybe that was what was playing in uh, Jimbo's office when he came in that day. I don't think you can go by boat or you can go by plane. I can't remember exactly all the rhymes in Marvel. That wasn't one of the ones that I read a lot when I was a kid. Um, but yeah, that's it's it's a it's it would be a nice situation to be in if uh, you, I guess you'd be hated by a lot of people. Uh, you know, Texas A&M has a large fan base, and you probably get yeah. walking down the street. But maybe that would probably be only for a year or so. Uh, I that's maybe in in texas but i mean when you he's an actually nobody would recognize nobody would recognize jimbo fisher if he just moved to yeah. uh someplace outside of texas yeah and didn't wear going. coaching attire yeah. all the time he's wearing a headset while wearing a&m gear a&m gear yeah then then uh you know might get, he's more likely to be recognized I or a shirt that says coach on the back yeah coach fisher jimbo yeah that's me <laughs> jimbo <laughs> he's got one of those kind of mechanic uh style shirt that has uh jimbo there do you know jimbo fisher's uh full name is it not jimbo no it's not it's well do you think jim do you think <laughs> is it uh is it is it james bow <laughs> james bow do you think there is a james in his name or is it simply called jimbo for some other reason i would say it is james but i okay his name is john james jimbo fisher jr <laughs> According to Wikipedia, John James Fisher Jr. No, I like how he's John James Jimbo Fisher Jr. Jr. So was his dad also Jimbo then? Uh, I don't know. His dad, uh, I don't know what is. Did he inherit was. the nickname? That's the question. So was the nickname uh, also inherited? Well, Jimbo Fisher was born fairly close to me. He was born in Clarksburg, West Virginia, which um, isn't. Uh, very far from Morgantown, which is only about an hour. So, uh, so it's about maybe an, it's about an hour and a half's drive from where I'm from, where Jim, the Jimbo Fisher National Historic Site would be located if he were a uh, became a real storied uh, coach. But he's from that this kind of Appalachia, Western Pennsylvania, Ohio area where all, where it seems like all the football coaches are born, <laughs> and all the weird quarterbacks play. Um. Yeah, I was just looking up. He had less miles on one of his staffs, or was on the staff of less miles. Less miles, of course, is from that area. He's from the, a Cleveland suburb, so it's like Cleveland, Pittsburgh, West Virginia. That little corner is where basically every college football coach uh, is born. I guess there's a lot of Southern. If if they're not like a a down home uh, Southern good old boy. Uh, they seem to be the white coaches anyway. Seem to be from that kind of Appalachia Rust Belt area. Um, but uh, should we maybe we should maybe we, instead of talking about Jimbo, do, uh, what do you? I think what the most interesting firing I think is the firing last or today actually of of uh, Buffalo Bills offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey. Do you think that was deserved, or is Dorsey just the fall guy? Uh, Buffalo did lose to the uh, Denver Broncos on a last second, a last second, second 
field goal uh, attempt when they missed the first one because they kind of did something stupid. They wanted to be cute and run down all the seconds. Uh, I guess because they thought, well, if there are 13 seconds left on the clock, uh, Buffalo is going to score. So let's try to kick it as time expires. But the problem was they were behind. So if they didn't make it, they were going to lose. And it's like if it was a tie game, maybe that's what you do. Because yeah. at worst, you're going to overtime. Um, yeah. But, but you know, Denver was out of timeouts, though. So they had to do this thing where they had to, like, do the last snap and kneel down and then run off the field while the the kicking team had to run on the field because there wasn't a lot of time between there and then yeah buffalo apparently did not get enough guys off the field and denver actually when they were set and took the field goal attempt they missed the field goal but but buffalo had 12 guys on the field and they were all lined up 12 it wasn't that they were trying to get one guy off they just didn't count right and they had 12 across they had 11 across and then one guy in the back and yeah. i guess the one guy at the back counted 11 and says okay i think we're all right but he forgot to count uh himself yeah, himself yes <laughs> but, and, but but it was yeah. crazy was yeah they actually missed the field goal though that's what I, that's what i couldn't believe was... because they had that kind of scramble drill yeah. and that sometimes it's, it's not as uh you know the and it was windy and you can see that yeah. ball kind of uh, and, they, and they'd missed an extra point earlier in the game and they had a failed a additional failed extra point yeah but more annoyingly was that they they missed the over on that game too because of the two missed extra points earlier in the game well i got i got the under on that one so i was right i had the over mike and i'm mad about it (laughs) i predicted that ineptitude so that's why i picked the under so i feel i feel pretty good about it but you you would think after the last drive that maybe buffalo would have fired their defensive coordinator because there were two horrible penalties that really cost them the game at the end. And it wasn't, you know, the directly the uh, offensive coordinator that caused the failure. In that, that case, anyway. The pass interference wasn't quite their fault because the ball was so woefully underthrown and yeah. badly thrown that the defensive guy, I guess he should have turned his head around, but he was just kind of in the wrong place at the wrong time. That, that's just one of those unfortunate things yeah. where you can almost throw yourself into a, um pass interference penalty if you if you feel like it yeah but uh, the other penalty uh with the 12 men on the field the 12 men on the field is deserved yes yeah that's really bad yeah and because it wasn't you or you weren't the ones who were scrambling it was the other team that was scrambling to make sure they got everybody on the field it was yeah like you could have just had your guys stay uh the way they were i don't know i don't know if they switched personnel or if they left the same personnel on. Well, if if the offense change, if the offense uh, has substitutions, the defense can substitute. Can but I don't know if they did. I I didn't. I I you know when they showed it live, I was just watching the offense. You know, run off the field. Yeah, I didn't notice either. I think they run on the field. I didn't notice if the defense did the same thing, and that's how that maybe they had like the personnel shuffle is where they ended up with the twelfth man. Apparently, or, or somebody on defense, at least one person on defense. Came from the sideline and went and joined them. Right. Must have, so, must have. But, yes. Yeah, but yeah, Ken Dorsey was the fall guy. Do you, do you think he? Well, yeah, do you think he was? Deserved? Yeah, was that deserved? Um, I mean, they've obviously had a lot of problems on offense, and um, Josh Allen's had a you know an excessive number of turnovers. I think he actually leads the league in turnovers since he came into the league. Uh, but I don't, I mean, I don't think that's actually the fault of the offensive coordinator. Maybe, maybe the offensive coordinator could minimize some of the penalty, the, um, the, uh, turnovers a little bit, 
but it seems more like Josh Allen is more to blame for that than than the offensive coordinators. Or, or they perhaps... obviously had problems. They were, I mean, they should have been able to score more points against Denver, and they looked terrible. They, and that game was mostly unwashable. The offenses were both pathetic. Here, uh, here, and, here's and a thought: the uh, game. if if the quarterback is playing badly, is it the quarterback coach's fault? But instead of the quarterback coach losing his job, he has promoted offensive coordinator. The offensive coordinator loses his job. So is is this uh, a you know is this we're just moving him up so he doesn't have as much to do, or is it because they think it's really Dorsey's fault? This is Joe Brady. Brady, I think, is most famous for being the LSU coordinator when they won the national championship in 2019, when Joe Burrow was throwing to Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and and. I guess Clyde Edwards-Alaire was on that team, and a lot of you know had so many uh, weapons on that. Basically, team. a professional team at the college. Yeah, it's level. like, yeah, it, yeah. So it's like no one, you know. I think it also kind of shows that Joe Burrow is one of the great quarterbacks if he has all-world, uh, multiple all-world receivers on his team. And this past couple of weeks, he hasn't had both T. Higgins and Jamar Chase on the field very often together, and. Uh, the last few weeks, and he, so his in the whole maybe the whole season, his his team has maybe not been as as good. But I, I have a Ken Dorsey trivia question for you, uh, okay. Dr. Scarf. Did Did you think the firing was justified, or was it is it just um more of just a somebody somebody had to go because they felt the urge to get rid of somebody because they've been playing poorly and they're it's as of right now outside the playoffs looking in. It's just they had they thought they had to do some something to placate uh, fans. Yeah. You know, it's, I don't, I don't know if you want to call it already. You know, rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic, but it's, yeah, it's, I don't, I wouldn't call the Bills the Titanic quite yet, but the Bills do have a very difficult schedule. I want to ask you about the Bills, and the, we'll, we mentioned the Bengals briefly. We'll talk about the Bills and the Bengals. Both of those teams lost on last-second field goals to teams at home that weren't as good as them. They, I think both teams were also favored by at least six points at home. I think Cincinnati was favored by six and a half and Denver was favored by seven. Was that right? Yeah. That, uh, was how it ended up. Um, and then Baltimore lost too. So like even during this chiefs bye week, a lot of top contending teams dropped games. The chiefs had moved up somehow, you know, against again, you know, relative to some of the, the teams that were and Jacksonville got blown out. So like all of the... got destroyed too. Yes. Yeah. But, but that was one I predicted. I, I, I predicted. Yeah. Uh, to to win by more than the spread, and we'll, and we'll talk about that when we we'll talk about that in a second. Because you actually had that as one of your locks, even one of my locks of the week, and that was a yeah. super lock. Um, but uh, Ken Dorsey question. Yes. Uh, so Ken Ken Dorsey, you might remember at one point was the University of Miami uh, quarterback. He was on the team when uh, they won the two thousand two national championship of uh they had like andre johnson was one of the receivers and they had all these you know great players clinton portis was their running back and then they had frank gore i think on that team too and like all these willis mcgay he was on that team like they're all like these these really good um really good players they lost the next year to i think ohio state um but um ken dorsey had played for two nfl teams uh, he also played for the Toronto Argonauts, but when he played for the two NFL, he played for two NFL teams. He was served as the backup, or was planning, or was planned to serve as the backup uh, to which future Chiefs quarterbacks? I can get you. Do you want me to name the NFL teams that uh, Ken Dorsey played for? 
I'm not. I'm not going to know anything. <laughs> okay, he was a seventh round. He was a seventh round draft pick. He played for the 49ers and the Browns. Which two quarterbacks? Did oh, so how far back was this? This is a ways back then. Yeah, I really don't. I'm not. I'm not even sure how old Ken Dorsey is. So, yeah, I assume he is slightly younger uh, than we are. Okay. Uh, he was. He's. He's 42. Hmm. So so is he behind Gabbert? No. That wouldn't have been. I don't. I don't care where Gabbert. Not current court. Not current Chiefs quarterbacks. He was. Oh uh, yeah. So, so a more famous quarterback that played for the 49ers for the Chiefs. Hmm. And then a less famous quarterback that played for the Browns before he played for the Chiefs. Hmm. Both of these quarterbacks were given the. Uh, at least the opportunity to start in Kansas City. Oh. Well, San, you said San Francisco? Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. San Francisco in Cleveland. I, I don't I don't even know. I'm not I'm not I'm not landed on anybody. Okay, well Cleveland in Cleveland it was Brady Quinn. Uh he oh, was man, forgot uh, back in. But San Francisco, you'll you'll kick yourself. He was he was a backup to Alex Smith at one point before Smith oh, okay. came yeah. to the Chiefs. Um Oh, uh, I was thinking maybe it was I was thinking of trying to think of more obscure quarterbacks because <laughs> there were a string of San Francisco quarterbacks that came to Kansas City. Yeah, you, well, you had Montana and Steve Bono and Elvis Gerback and yeah, that was the main ones. And then I guess that was that. I was thinking I was trying to think that there was a more obscure one besides Alex Smith. Yes, yeah, he was in the 2003 NFL draft, yeah, um, the 49ers. Uh, and he played. He actually started a little bit, but then he uh, started the 2005 season as the third quarterback behind Tim Rattay. I don't know if you heard Tim Rattay. He was a Tulane University quarterback, he was like a fifth or sixth rounder that played that started for the 49ers for a bit before Alex Smith came. Uh, and then, um, then he ended up eventually going to the uh Browns during the Brady Quinn, Derek Anderson, Charlie Fry era of the Browns, Bruce, Bruce Gradkowski, people like that. Uh, um, but that was uh Ken Dorsey. Um any were there any other games that uh, we want we want to talk about of, for last week that we haven't yet? I have one trivia question related to one of these games uh that featured the uh return of Kyler Murray from injury and the Arizona Cardinals defeated the Atlanta Falcons uh on Sunday. Um and we and we we called that one actually too. We so, did. Uh, the Falcons were favored by one and a half on the road, and we both picked the home, uh, the home team. Yeah, and uh, the Falcons ended up. It was barely though. The, the home team was favored by. Or uh, actually, no, it wasn't. Uh, I was thinking uh, they lost by two, but it was uh, two plus one point five, so we were three and a half points in our favor. The Cardinals yeah. won against that. But okay. we picked them on the money line now, so we we expected them to win. Yes. Yes, we did. We did not win. just cover the spread, but win. We won handily. Yes. And they did. It was I think I believe it was the only upset that I picked correctly. <laughs> well, this was a game that featured uh Trey McBride, the tight end for the Cardinals. 
he had a hundred, I believe, one hundred thirty-one yards receiving as a tight end. That was the uh, the first Cardinals tight end to have over one hundred yards receiving in a game since what year? What was the what year was the last year a Cardinal had over a Cardinals tight end had over hundred yards receiving? And thinking, keeping in mind that Zach Ertz has played for the Cardinals the last little bit. I think that Jason Winton, did he play for the Cardinals too uh, briefly? Or is that just, maybe I'm just conflating him with um, uh, Emmett Smith, but. Um, yeah. I'm I, I'm not really coming up with like thinking. of the Raiders that one year, Jason Winton. Winton, okay. I mean, most of his career was in Dallas though, so. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking he played, no, I'll just. And, I was, and Ert, you know, Ertz, most of his success wasn't, you know, that with was, that terrible quarterbacks in Arizona. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh oh, it's gotta be a ways back. Yeah, I would ask it if it wasn't at least a few years from yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna say late eighties. I'll say eighty nine. It is nineteen eighty nine. How did you I just threw that out there? I don't know. What uh who who was it? Is it somebody that we even I I can't even think of any tight ends from uh Arizona, like th- even thinking back his his name was Robert. Years. Awalt, A-W-A-L-T, 105 receiving yards in week 10 of the 1989 season against the Dallas Cowboys. So that was uh, just the first 100 yards. I thought it was like like 130 plus or something. No, it was just 100 yards, period. Just 100 yards. Wow. The Cardinals were then known as the Phoenix Cardinals. They hadn't changed it to the Arizona Cardinals yet. They had only been in Phoenix like two years or three years probably. Um, I think they moved to 87 from St. Louis. Yeah. Gene Stallings was the head coach. He was probably most famous for being the head coach at the University of Alabama. Um, I think he won a national, maybe won a national championship with Alabama, like in the early nineties. Um, but who was the QB in that in that game in the hundred yard receiving game? I'm gonna say, is it Neil? Is that still Neil Lomax? Was he still the Cardinals quarterback in 1989? I don't know. No, it, it was probably. It could have been Gary Hogaboom. I don't even remember him. No, I don't remember. He started. I, I wasn't. Games. I wasn't paying attention to the whole league as much. I guess. In the, I the, remember the name Gary Hogaboom because his his name is so funny. Yeah, Gary Hogaboom. Um, That's a great name. Tom Tupa was a quarterback then. He wasn't yet a punter full time. He was still a quarterback. Yeah. Um. Tupa. He started two games. Tim Rosenbach. I remember Tim Rosenbach because for some reason he had two M's in his name. Tim Rosenbach was his name. He had a five and fifteen record as a starter for the uh, Phoenix Cardinals uh, in the late eighties, early nineties. I I have this curse of of remembering bad quarterbacks' names. I would never have gotten it, but I, but they say, oh yeah, that that's familiar. Tim. Rosenbach. So is that from like football cards? Are you collecting football cards then? I was, yeah. I had you probably were more exposed to it then because of that. But yeah. Especially yeah. the funny names because you see them written out like on the cards. That's true. That's probably where it and, and then uh probably sticks with you longer that way too. Yeah. Yeah. Ed Tutal Jones was a defensive end on the on the Cowboys in the game that they played against the Phoenix yeah. Cards, who were still in the NFC East. Uh in uh, 
in that era since I guess the Cardinals they they hadn't moved they hadn't realigned uh to their new geographic home that was when the Falcons and the Saints I think were in the west and the Cowboys and the Cardinals were in the east uh they still haven't figured out that the Dallas Cowboys are shouldn't are not eastern but since they're Dallas not, is big they're not in team, the east geographically yeah <laughs> it was Dallas really wanted to play the eastern media markets so they've stayed right as the NFC East teams. Um, but yeah, so Trey McRide, first tight end for over 100 receiving yards in 34 years. Impressive. You'd think there'd just be some random one, right? Like, Yeah. You know, somebody, had, like, there's like a big pass play to a tight end that's like 60 yards, and then it's like three receptions, 102 yards, something like that for... Yeah. But, yeah. Wow. Man, that's crazy. <laughs> That's a long time to go without, especially in the modern era where it's so quarterback heavy and, and uh, passing driven that, uh, you know, that's a whole position that they have like basically ignored then for the last 30 plus years. Is that, is that how you would, you would, you know, diagnose that looking back at it? Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm trying to think um, who these, who, who would these tight ends would be? I can't, I can't think of a, a Ertz, I, I I can't think for the life of me really of a Cardinals tight end ever. That doesn't, that's not just not a. That's what uh, I was doing. That's that's why I went back so far, and then it's funny that it landed on the right year though. And again, yes, yeah. So it was Robert a Walt or a Walt. Hmm. Um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go to a Pro Football Reference and just go to a random year and see if I recognize any of the tight ends from Heard let's say somewhere. let's say let's go to like 1998 um the position organized by position uh so the tight ends on that team were johnny mcwilliams was the starter do you remember johnny mcwilliams jarius hayes terrius hardy or chris gedney chris gedney i kind of remember that sounds familiar yeah um Chris Gedney played for the Bears for a while. He was a, and then um, Arizona. But his the most receiving yards he ever had in a season was two hundred and seventy one. So that shows how much they used tight ends then. Um, and Johnny McWilliams, who was the mo- starter for most of that year, the most tight ends he ever had in a season. It was 1998 when he had 284 yards receiving. So they did not use very many, much of a tight end in in uh, those years. Uh, let's look. Let's just say 2006. Okay. Well, it looks like the most receptions they've had. Oh, hey, Leonard Leonard Pope. I remember Leonard Pope. As a tight end for the Cardinals, I would have thought he had a hundred-yard game at some point, but he only had nine hundred eighty-two yards to receiving his whole career. So, two hundred forty-seven was actually well because he played for the Chiefs. That's why I remember Leonard Pope. He played for the Chiefs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so well, the the tight end record for receptions in a season for the for the franchise of the Cardinals is Zach Ertz two years ago with fifty-six catches in a season. 
You would think though that Ertz would have gotten a hundred yard game maybe here and there. Yeah. Yeah, 56 yards, 56 catches. So that's almost four catches a game. So he's probably got a game with like eight catches in it. Um you'd think um, you know, you might get eight for a hundred or something, but yeah, that's that's insane. That's an insane. I was I was figuratively blown away by uh uh that not, uh, not literally just no, it's not, no it's not literally that would be a um that's that's a that's a bridge too far a figurative bridge too far uh for me to cross um it looks like he did that he had an 88 yard nine cat eight catch game 88 yard eight catch game in uh, 2021 so that was and the then a seven catch 84 yard performance uh about six seven weeks later after the trade that was the probably the closest the cardinals ever came they were yeah i'm sure there was some like sports writer in the you know for the phoenix mercury news or whatever the san, san jose mercury phoenix whatever the phoenix paper is i can't think of what the phoenix paper is called there's probably some like old sports writer for them that says oh there hasn't been a tight end with 100 yards receiving since uh, Awalt back in 89 against the uh, Dallas Cowboys. Learns the next one coming. He had that factoid just ready. If, or the Mitch or the Mitch Holtus equivalent of uh, the Cardinals, the radio voice. He prob- Do you think the Cardinals radio announcer is as excited about small towns in the American Southwest that a player may have been from? As Mitch Holtus is for small towns in the American Midwest, that a player or or, or smaller universities, uh, no. more uh, than Mitch Holtus, no, 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 for sure, not. somebody from Baker University or somebody from um, Graceland College, Lamoni, Lamoni, Iowa, something like that. Yeah, I heard. I didn't listen to a lot of the radio broadcasts, but I heard one call. I think on the first game of this season where he yelled something about like the pride of Wichita. <laughs> on, a, on a uh touchdown call anyway that's pretty big city though yeah probably what you yeah. yeah. center kansas or yeah yeah hershey iowa or something like that i, <laughs> I don't know there's a hershey iowa i was just thinking of some random there's a hershey yeah, from like lamoni or something that'd be oh, something nice. rayful friends i believe was from lamoni see you know somebody from there yeah was that what graceland college is there's Ooh, some weird I just know that's the first town you get you get to when you uh, cross into Iowa on I thirty five. Graceland, it is Lamona, Iowa. Yes, there you go. It also has a it also has a Graceland University now. It also has uh, some affiliation because it's Community of Christ, uh, the former art, reorganized Latter Day Saints Church, that also has uh, some affiliations, I believe, in Independence. So maybe that's why I remembered where uh, it was. But um, any any other uh, NFL action from last week that that uh, struck you? I mean, they, I think really what it was was the uh, the crazy upsets, like the late uh, game deciding, you know, plays were really prominent. I think in this week, with I believe there were seven games where a field goal was kicked as time expired to win the game. Uh, yeah. Six on Sunday and then yeah. one on Monday night. Yeah. And both the Bills and the Bengals lost on game uh, 
winning field goals. Yes. Um, and so the Bills are five and five. The Bengals are five and four. Both of those teams are on the outside looking in currently in the AFC playoff race. Which of those teams do you think has the better shot at making the playoffs? Follow-up question. Is it more likely that both teams make the playoffs or both teams are out of the playoffs in the AFC? Well, yeah, this is this gets pretty tough then, doesn't it? Uh I guess what well, Cincinnati actually has the tiebreaker uh, as, as they as they did beat Buffalo a couple weeks ago, uh, but and and they have a half game lead because they played one fewer game, so it seems mm-hmm. like Cincinnati has the edge as of right now. I think they both have pretty tough schedules. You could say something different come Thursday night if the Ravens beat the Bengals, right? That may that may even things up then to some extent. Uh, but uh, so I mean, as of right now, I'd say like Cincinnati has the edge because they have that you know head-to-head matchup already decided. Uh, but yeah, they both have pretty tough schedules. I think coming up, that's what uh, you know, it's going to be a bigger factor than anything else. Uh, but uh, it's probably actually more likely that they both miss than both make the playoffs especially with the AFC North division not being the disaster that we and everyone else kind of expected coming yeah. into the season they're pretty competitive yeah right now the Bengals are last place in the AFC North according to the New York Times playoff uh, projections they have a 44% chance of making the playoffs and that's last in the uh, AFC North the Ravens have an 89% chance of making the playoffs and the Browns have an 84% chance of making the playoffs. And even your hated lowly Pittsburgh Steelers have a 61% chance of making the playoffs according to the New York times model. So that's, but the, but the bills are even worse than have a worse shot. According to the uh, New York times than the Bengals, they only have a 19% chance of making the playoffs. That's below the chargers at 31%. And the Colts at 28% alongside those other teams, uh, you know, that we've mentioned that are higher. Uh, the the Texans also have a 51% chance of making the playoffs, according to the New York Times. The Chiefs yeah, some, are, and some of that may be because, so. like, you know, Jacksonville just dropped their game this week. Maybe that South division is actually more up for grabs than it was. So maybe one team takes that division or you know charges to the lead and then somebody else is left out and maybe another spot's open but yeah i don't know it's it's gonna be pretty tough for both of those teams to make it in i think right now yeah it's 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 um the nfc is a little bit more cut and dried appearing basically there are one two there are seven teams with a 73 percent chance or greater of making the playoffs yeah the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Lions, the Vikings, who now have an 84% chance of making it, uh, way up from what it was a few weeks ago. The Saints, 73, 49ers, 98, Seahawks, 75. Well, winning winning two games when the team could be in full disarray certainly has to help their odds. Because <laughs> I don't <laughs> think they were expected to win either of those games. Uh, they both. 
speaking of winning two games in full when the team's maybe in full disarray, the Raiders have won two in a row. Now they're at five and five, but they but the New York Times model only has them as a four percent chance of making really? the playoffs, which is odd. Well, I guess they play the Chiefs twice. Yeah, uh, they probably still play the Eagles and the Cowboys, perhaps. So maybe the, they just think there's a lot of losses that are going to be there. That's yeah. Um. Yeah. So the Raiders. Oh, they play at the Dolphins. Then, then home against the Chiefs. Uh, and then it looks like this. They have their bye in Week 13. Then they play home against the Vikings. Home against the Chargers. At Kansas City. At in Indianapolis. Home against the Broncos. So it's not that bad. That seems like uh, a four percent chance. I know, yeah, I'm surprised it's only four percent, but maybe maybe it takes into account that you know they don't have a good quarterback. Well, they have Aiden O'Connell as quarterback, and they have uh, you know play the Chiefs twice, I guess. And yeah, but okay, the Bengals, uh, I think oh, the they, Bengals, they've already had their time. The Raiders are they're five and five. They, they play ten games, so they're they don't have their bye yet. Oh right! Oh yes, yes, yes. Gotcha. Yes. Wrong way. I flipped it. Yes. Yeah. Should um should we run through our picks then from last? Yeah, week? let's run through our picks. Let's run through our picks. Uh, we've already kind of uh hinted that we were uh did fairly well. We were each two and one uh this week. I think that's the first week we've both been over for a while. In a while, yeah. Over five hundred. Um. And week, speak, week seven, we were five and one combined. Oh, okay. So we were five and one. So this is, but it's been months. that's three weeks ago. That's so. three weeks ago. It seems like a longer time. That was, oh, yeah, that was the week where you thought you were one and two, but it turned out to be two and one. And maybe that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Uh, so we already mentioned that I picked uh, San Francisco over Jacksonville as one of my locks of the week. Um, they were only favored by three points and they won by 31. That was an easy victory. I think Jacksonville is not that good a team. I think they're, I don't think they have a great offense. I think their defense is just okay. Um, so, but they play in the South, in AFC South, which was thought to be an easy division, and now it's maybe not quite as easy looking. Uh, but yeah, they got run. I think they also ended up playing the 49ers at the wrong time. 49ers are coming off a bye, and they had lost three straight, and they were getting healthier. And this, you know, I don't think they were they they weren't in the mood to lose a fourth straight. Game. Well, they got Debo Samuel back on offense, but they also got Chase Young via that trade on defense and then your defense looked really good in that game too so yeah that certainly makes things more challenging for opponents of theirs yeah, and purdy seemed to have a bounce back week as well no so, turnovers that's the no turnovers christian mccaffrey broke his long touchdown streak but other than that it was pretty rosy <laughs> despite them tr- um trying very hard to keep that yeah. intact did you see that he was like still in there like late in the fourth he was and that's and that's a little risky you think with McCaffrey because he's so injury prone mm. just let it go it's not a streak that anybody cares about if I yeah. don't think is it except for him maybe I mean it's maybe not Joe, it's not Joe DiMaggio's 56 game hitting streak or something like that I don't <laughs> it just I don't know yeah um how about your first your your first uh bet of the week uh my first pick was uh a loss i guess for me uh and it's one that i'm okay with taking too i think because i had cincinnati minus six and a half at houston uh houston ended up surprising uh, i think most people uh not just covering that that six and a half points but winning the game outright 
and uh uh yeah so i didn't i didn't come anywhere close to that the final score in that game was uh 30 27 in cincinnati as a houston victory so i mean great for houston not what i expected to see but i will take that because i don't want cincinnati to win yeah it was it was i one expected of them too that's why i bet on it yeah it was one of those games that i also thought um well, I thought I thought I I thought I was going to thread the needle. I thought Houston might keep it close, and Cincinnati would win. Uh, but ended up being Houston both won and uh, covered the spread. But I was also glad to see Cincinnati lose that game, just because I think they're more of a competition for uh, the Chiefs down the road. Um, my my second, I'm, you started with your with your loss. I'm going to start with my two wins and then go to my loss because. Uh, it happened that way chronologically. Uh, both of my wins came in the one o'clock window. And I, I also am happy that this game turned out the way it did. It was very, very, very close. I ended up sweeping uh, this game uh, on the big board as well. Um, I predicted Pittsburgh minus three over Green Bay. They won with a final score of 23 to 19. So they won by four. And that was thanks to because they had an interception uh, in the end zone to end uh the game and um so they won by four they, i had them by three i think uh you know they they're one of those teams that are that we both think is not very good but they seem to win games anyway maybe because teams play to their level or they like to muddy it up um i think green bay is just a bad team uh so i don't think that quite holds there but um yeah but there was uh Den- Denver and Pittsburgh, it seems both uh they can seem to trap better opponents into losses by yeah making the game very no oh, I missed I missed the over under. I thought it went over. It was only 38 and a half under over under. Yeah. Uh, so it went up to 42. So I thought maybe it was gonna be uh 23 to uh 15 game, I guess. Yeah. Um <laughs> uh, or twenty, yeah. But anyway, Pittsburgh uh, won again against Green Bay, covering the spread. So I'm good. I think I've been good lately at betting against Green Bay and betting for Pittsburgh. So mm-hmm. uh, you might be able to see where my bets are going uh, this coming week. But yeah, um, those are my two my two victories were Pittsburgh uh, minus three and San Francisco minus three. Um, how about your uh, uh, second your 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 second bet? Uh, my second pick was on the the final um, international game, I believe, for the uh, NFL season. Uh, I had Indy minus one and a half at New England in Frankfurt again, right? Was that where that one yeah, was? Yeah, it was the same. Yes, yeah, Frankfurt again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another awful game to watch. Uh, Indy ended up winning uh, 10-6, comfortably covering that. One and a half point spread, Mike. <laughs> yes, so comfortable. Yes. In a very uneventful game where uh, Mac Jones was benched for, I think, the third time this season for throwing a late. Yes, for Bailey Zappi. And then Bailey Zappi comes in and throws that. Uh, maybe an even worse interception. Uh, so, interception. Yeah. Yes. Ugly game, poorly performed by both teams, really. And I don't know. It, that, it doesn't really you know, make the sport look that great when the game is played that poorly in an international setting. Why but, Why were these teams even there? <laughs> but maybe because Europeans are used to lower scoring soccer games, they wanted, well, 10-6, 
that's a very high scoring game for uh, foosball. But yes. so maybe that's maybe that's what they were saying. Possibly, possibly. I don't really think so either. But uh, that's, I, but yeah, New England is just playing bad. It seems like this year is you know is Bill Belichick is he on his way out? Do you think, or is he just going to be around? And maybe they'll get some new quarterback. Maybe they'll bring in Caleb Williams or 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 one of the new one of the hotshot uh, quarterbacks from college this year too. Yeah, uh, Shadur or something, something like that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's it just seems it does seem really surprising that they're. You know, benching um, McCorkle Jones, uh, you know, during games, but then there he always starts the next one. So it doesn't seem like there's really any consequence for poor in-game performance, except for not having to finish that game. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. He seems to go out like maybe they just have like a first half quarterback and a second half quarterback. Maybe that's. Maybe maybe that's maybe that's what they need to try just to do something different. But it just seems surprising that uh, that, that uh, Belichick's willing to to keep you know sticking to this strategy that doesn't seem to be working at all um, this season. With I think they're what two and eight, two and eight, yeah, in the season, which is they are basically... gotta be what Belichick's worst performance since what his it's Cleveland Browns days. Cleveland days, yeah, it's gotta be right. Yeah, yeah. So they are not uh, uh, very good at all. Um, how about how about your third? My pick? third pick was uh, I predicted Seattle over Washington. Seattle was favored by six. Uh, they did win. They won only won by a field goal though, so they they didn't cover. Uh, I got the money line right on that one, but I did not cover. Washington kept it close. It was a, another one of those game winning field goals at the end that Seattle scored. So twenty nine twenty six Seattle, but alas, it was not. Um, six it was on a seven point victory for if they had scored a touchdown in the final second maybe that would have been uh although i don't know if they would have kicked the extra point or not in the final second they might have and they might not have done that they would have had to score with more than a few seconds left just so yeah yeah Yeah, they had scored with two seconds left they would kick the extra point because they would have to kick off yeah later um but yeah how about your third pick you're you're you you're going to end on a good note Yes. So I had uh, the Raiders plus one and a half uh, against the Jets in Vegas. Uh, another hideous game to watch was the Sunday night game. Uh, Raiders ended up winning that game outright. Uh, 16-12 was the final. Did you watch any of that one? No, I didn't watch any of it. I I, I, I heard a little bit. I guess I did. Maybe I did watch a little bit on my on my phone, but it was not it was not a good game either. Yeah. Uh, or actually, uh, yeah, a Sunday night game. I didn't watch any Sunday night. I was I was um, watching a movie or something with with, with MJ. So um, I didn't I didn't see any of it. Yeah. But yeah, another poor game, but came out in my favor. So I will take it. Yes. <laughs> Were there other games that uh... that that. that... That drew your attention uh, to this week? I, I guess the big game was the Cleveland-Baltimore game. Uh, yeah. That Baltimore, Baltimore was seen as this kind of juggernaut in the last few weeks, and then they, their defense wasn't allowing any points. Their offense was scoring a bunch of points. Their offense scored quite a few points against Cleveland, which supposedly has a very good defense, but they allowed thirty-three points to Deshaun Watson and uh, the Cleveland Browns at home. 
uh, and and ended up losing 33-31. So that was a so little bit of surprise. I actually, though, I I will tell you that I predicted this this game to happen. So I, this was my upset of the week, and yeah. one where I swept uh, both the spread the spread. Uh, no, I didn't. I swept the spread swept the spread of the money. I, I did not get the uh, over under because I thought it was going to be under. But uh, this was this was a week where I decided to go basically all under, except the first game I picked over, and I missed that. Then I went all under, and I missed most of my over unders this this week. So um, I ended up on the whole on my on the uh, on the big board uh, with just just under uh, the money going on. I think I lost like fifty bucks. Uh, so I basically broke even. Uh, you basically broke even too, but you were a little bit on the plus side as usual, Doctor Scaff. Um, what's 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 the method to your uh, success <laughs> this week was it was basically just almost random odds anyway but the last two weeks i'd been like around 70 percent correct picks this week i was only at 57 percent, which was uh, enough to get i was up 158 dollars for the week which is still positive though so that's you know good but not as good as last week uh, uh, yeah i was uh, at 92 and, I, was, and, I was down 52 but i was down 92 and the over-unders were what did me in this week too, but not as badly as they did you in, I think. So that was no, yeah, a couple. Yeah, I think if I got had a couple more, you had seven out of 14 over-unders. I only had five. So if I had seven, I would have been right around where you yeah. ended up. But um, I, I might do a lot of unders again this week. I'm not sure. But none of my locks of the week for next week are going to be over-under. Um, well, the last several weeks, the unders had done pretty very well. well yeah so the unders were 10 and 3 in week 9 8 and 8 week 8 7 and 6 week 7 13 and 2 in week 6 but then this week the overs were 8 and 6 so this is the first week the overs have won uh in the last five weeks well that's because i decided to do it i'm sure i'm sure uh if i whatever i pick next week is going to be it's going to go the opposite so but then if i like do the costanza psych myself out and do that then it will then it will do another switcheroo on me so i i'm i'm i believe cursed uh this this season and this is why i should not become a professional gambler it doesn't look like unless maybe you should pick a few games a week that's where i should stop maybe you should make the picks and then reverse most of them like and see if that has an effect. I if I reverse most of them, I would probably pick the wrong ones too. <laughs> you end up getting all of them wrong instead of yes. <laughs> the ones you reverse would be the ones that you should have kept. Yes. Speaking of getting them all wrong, should we move on to uh, next week and talk about our <laughs> our, our uh, week week eleven preview? Sure. Or maybe before we talk about our our bets. Um, I think there's one game, of course, we're going to look forward to the most, and that is Philadelphia, Kansas City on Monday night. Philadelphia at coming to Arrowhead, a rematch of Super Bowl 57. Both teams are coming off a bye, just like they did in the Super Bowl. Uh, so both teams should be equally rested, equally prepared, equally ready. Um, do you think the Chiefs are going to pull it out on Monday night, uh, uh, this, this coming Monday night? Well, Andy Andy Reid versus his own team, Kelsey versus Kelsey. Oh, there's yeah. so many stories around it that it's going to have to be a you know an, an epic game, and it'll probably be a giant dud. And I guess it's typically a, you you expect that you know the Chiefs are worried that they might face Philly in the Super Bowl, so they're not going to want to show them anything in this game. Is that what you expect to see? For this but game? this is this is an interesting interesting tidbit. Um, so Andy Reid is the currently the all time winningest coach. 
for the Philadelphia Eagles. He's won 130 games as a Philadelphia coach. He yeah. is tied with Hank Stram as the all-time winningest <laughs> coach for the Chiefs at 124. So if he wins this game, he becomes the all-time winningest coach for the Chiefs, and he would defeat his old team uh, to do it. So he would be the all-time winningest coach for two franchises, which is the only person who's done it before, and he would beat his old team in doing it. So I think the Chiefs are going to try to play hard uh, this game and at least um, – only enter the Andy Reid gentleman home stretch at the end when uh, the game is there. So I, I do predict the Chiefs' victory. I but I wouldn't be surprised though if it went the other way, unfortunately. But I like the I think I think Andy Reid off a of bye is usually very good. Yeah. So um, I like I like the Chiefs. I think they're favored by three. It's not one of my locks. Yeah, it's a it's a very modest line. Chiefs by three. The money line's close. Plus mm-hmm. one thirty for Philly, minus one fifty four for the Chiefs. Over under is not a you know exceptionally high at forty six and a half. Not crazy. So like the you know the you know defenses are going to be probably more featured than they were in the last meeting of these two teams. It was a thirty five thirty two, I believe. So that was just, that would have been a sixty seven over under. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be as high scoring, but who knows? Yeah. But I mean, both defenses may have actually improved since the Super Bowl, and it seems like both offenses have perhaps regressed since the Super Bowl too. So yeah, the Eagles are sometimes struggling to score, and the Chiefs are sometimes struggling uh, to score points. Neither neither quarterback has been quite as sharp, it seems like, as last year either. So, um, but it's but it's going to be a great game, I yeah. think. Um, but it's not one of the games we bet on. Uh, should we talk about our? Uh, our our bets for the week, and then we can talk about some other uh, happenings in the NFL next week. How about your first uh, lock of the week, Doctor Scaff? Uh, my first lock. I'm going to uh, a team that just came off of a very large spread, anyway, with uh, uh, Dallas being favored last week by 16 and a half points. This week, favored by only 10 and a half points uh, at Carolina. And it seems like. Um, the Giants may actually be a better team, maybe minus the quarterback situation, at least anyway, uh, than mm-hmm. Carolina. So I'm, I'm a little surprised the line is this close. Um, so I'm taking Dallas minus 10 and a half. Yeah, it's a big spread on the road. But yeah, Carolina, I guess they've won a, a game or two recently. They they beat the Texans a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, they're still the Carolina. For their one, for their one win. Right? For their one win, yeah. Did they have a bye last week? Was the Carolina with a bye? Uh um no who they play well, last week was all the good teams that had buys oh yeah miami oh. philly oh you hear played miami. on thursday they played on thursday that's right that's why i forgot they they lost yes. to they lost to the bears they lost to the bears yeah so yeah they, so this team lost to the bears yeah I'm, yeah ten and a half is kind of is, is, is modest i would have thought maybe it would be at least 13 by two touchdowns probably but yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess if I had to make a decision on a big spread like that, maybe I would go. Maybe I would go with Dallas as well. Seems... I tend to avoid those for like the locks, at least anyway. But but they played so well last week against the Giants that seems like they're back to being, you know, rolling again. So maybe I don't yeah. know. They'll continue that for at least another week anyway with a weak opponent here. So yeah, I picked another big spread uh, for my first lock of the week and that was uh 
Las Vegas at Miami. Miami's actually favored by 11 and a half at home, which I think is pretty high, especially because Las Vegas has won their last two games. They're five and five. Uh, my, Miami is, they are coming off a bye, but Miami's struggled against teams with 500 records or above so far this year. So, and decent defenses, and it seems like the like the uh, Raiders have a decent defense. So. Yeah, and they and they can score points if they have to. Uh, I think, I think, I think the Dolphins will win, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if the if the Raiders kept it close. I also wouldn't be shocked if the Raiders actually won that game. You know, because I think I think the Dolphins are maybe their psyche is a little bit damaged by some of the some of the some of the losses that they've had recently, and the fact that. You know, this is, you know, I don't want to wish injury on anybody, but, but you know, you know, they've been injury prone, and one of the people who hasn't gotten injured this year is Tua Tagovailoa, who is historically um, very injury prone. So I think without him, uh, they lost too. So you know, and the Raiders are always kind of a little bit dirty, a little bit cheat. You know, you know, you never want to, I think, uh, count them out uh, on these sorts of things. So I, I don't think, I don't, I don't really think uh, there'll be any injuries, but major injuries. But I do think, I do think maybe I could see. You know, at least keeping within ten. I think I would have. I would have guessed the spread would have been maybe nine, something like that. So I'm getting a I'm eight, nine, something maybe a little bit more than a touchdown. But yeah, I like I like uh, the the Raiders at least to keep it somewhat close in Miami. And it is in Miami too. Yeah. 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 How about your second pick, Doctor Scott? My second pick. I'm going to. Uh... Seattle is favored by just a single point uh, on the road uh, against the Rams. Seems as though Stafford is going to be back, but if he's not 100% or if he can't play or can't play the entire game, I think the drop-off is just so big between him and you know his next quarterback up. I don't know where the Rams score points against a decent defense like the Seahawks have, at least anyway. Uh, so yeah, I've got uh, Seattle minus one on the road. Yeah, it seems like the Rams uh, started out pretty hot. Uh, Puka Nakua's cooled off quite a bit. Seems like Cooper Cooper Cup hasn't really taken off uh, as a receiver this year. The, the Rams just aren't scoring a lot of points. They've had some injuries at running back. They've had some, yeah. uh, you know, injuries at quarter quarterback position. Uh, maybe, maybe again, yeah, maybe Stafford's coming back. But sometimes your first game back isn't uh, your best one anyway. So and it's a yeah, thumb I don't, I don't injury that, too. That can be really weird to, you know, come out of. I think too. So. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Know. Well, I'm I'm also kind of sticking in Los Angeles, or or with a Los Angeles team for my second uh, bet, and going against uh, the Green Bay Packers. The Chargers are favored by three in Green Bay. The Chargers lost a tough one to Detroit on a last second field goal. 41 to 38. I think uh, the Chargers have a great offense and I think they can score a lot of points against Green Bay. I think their defense isn't that great, but Green Bay's offense also isn't that great. So I think they could win that game and win it going away uh, at Lambeau uh, against this Green Bay Packers team. So I like, I like them to win and win comfortably in Green Bay. You know, the weather's not going to be that bad, probably uh, still early enough that, uh, it, you know, even the Chargers can probably handle uh, a November in Lambeau. Yeah, and the Chargers' defense is actually barely 
Deep. They have na- good name players anyway. You think? Yeah. You have Khalil Mack and uh, jo- Joey Bosa and Derwin James and you know all these guys that are pretty good players, but they haven't put anything together. Um, well, what was it? It was two weeks ago um, in the game against the Jets, uh, where the Chargers won pretty handily. And they held the Jets to just six points, but the Jets' offense is not very good. But the defense did most of the scoring I think, in that game for the for the Chargers. So if they, you know, if their defense plays anything like that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Green Bay's offense isn't that great. So just a decent defense should be enough to keep them down. You would guess. Yeah, and I and I've really I think Green Bay is over. People are overly optimistic against for Green Bay. They think that they kind of forget that. I think that Matt LaFleur is not a very good coach. He just had Aaron Rodgers on his team. And, like, of course, your offense is going to be decent if you have Aaron Rodgers as quarterback and he's not injured. Uh, so, they'll, you know, but they they still weren't able to score a ton of points. And they had a strong, they had a fairly strong defense, but I don't think they have that. Their defense isn't quite as good this year, and their offense is a couple of steps below, at least, to put it, maybe put it generously, uh, below what, what it has been uh, the last few years. So I I... They start, you know, Green Bay kind of fooled everybody. It seemed like because they started out strong, uh, they won the first two games, but they've uh, been pretty bad since. So I, I like, I like the Chargers there. How about your final block? Of... I was going to add one more point here, but just, to, just as a question though for you, uh, is Matt Lafleur at the top of the warning track power hour most hated coach now? Is that, is that uh, who's up there, or is oh. there someone else up there? Because uh, most of our our, uh, our old candidates have, have all been uh, relieved of their duties uh, at the NFL level with McDaniels and Nathaniel Hackett over the last you know mm-hmm. year or so. So yeah, is Lafleur high on that list? Yeah, it's up there for me. I think he's overrated for sure. Um, it's hard to say because I guess I don't I don't I didn't dislike any of the new hires as much as uh i did you know that mcdaniels uh and uh hackett year um maybe brandon staley might be there with the chargers never being able to get anything done with them so he's probably on he's i'm sure he's on the hot seat but he might be uh up there as well but i don't but maybe it's because the chiefs play the chargers in the division so much i don't want to speak too much ill of Brandon Staley because I want him to stay as the Chargers coach because I think <laughs> the Chargers are kind of a sleeping giant and if they can get any semblance of good coaching, they uh, can probably do you know really challenge the Chiefs. They become and, scarier immediately. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, especially with Justin Herbert still on his rookie salary deal uh, for next, at least this year and next year, I think. Yeah, and then it starts to go up, but just like Joe Burrow, um, so I like I like having Staley where he is because he always makes some dumb decision, and he's supposedly a defensive minded coach with the defense doesn't play ever plays that well, and so I yeah, so I I like maybe maybe I think Staley's maybe one of the worst, but I I think I think Matt Lafleur is probably the worst coach that people think is good, and. I yeah, I I think his shortcomings were really revealed in the playoffs, and maybe yeah. So I don't think he can never. I don't think he's going to get a team over the hump and and, and win Super Bowls. And yeah. he's stuck with uh, 
Jordan Love uh, this year. Love hasn't hasn't been that terrible, but I think he's just he's just an, I think with an average quarterback, I don't think the Packers uh, can do a lot. Well, they're not really contenders, I don't think, until yeah, yeah, somebody emerges. But uh, we need to have that most most hateable coach index, the MHCI. <laughs> we'll have to yeah i'll have to go through all of them and see i think maybe some people <laughs> perhaps thought that mike mccarthy of, in dallas was maybe the most overrated the former green bay yeah. coach but well, so you're going overrated i was saying hateable though so that was hateable i don't necessarily hate matt lafleur uh, no no they just they don't have it to be like dislikable essentially so okay i well i i yeah hateable, I, I, not hated but hateable yeah they have I the guess. quality potential of being hated okay yeah <laughs> i like to think of them as just in quantities as good and good or bad rather than uh i love or hate them or most but, bad-mouthed by us yeah who who's who is you know the current uh well it was Taysom hill and it was yeah i think mac jones is our i think mac jones is probably our as a player so maybe belichick then maybe climbing the list on our uh I think Belichick just might be washed up more than anything. He was a yeah. great coach, but he also still is their kind of GM and coach. So maybe if he became one or the other rather than both, uh, the Patriots yeah. might do better. So I think he may, he's getting older and maybe he can't quite keep an eye on personnel the way he used to be able to. And so if I were him, maybe I'd just concentrate on the coaching on the field. Or because whichever one he wants to do. Whichever one he wants to do. I think he wants to be the he wants to pass Don Shula as the number one winningest coach. So I think that's what he wants to stay coach rather than become it's gonna be hard to do in that with uh four wins a year or so though. That's yeah. <laughs> takes a lot longer that way. How about your how about your lock of the week? Number three. Uh, third pick. Um I'm going to the uh let's see, what is that? The early afternoon well the early the 3 p.m slot the one game in the 3 p.m slot this week uh that's not the two more games at 3 30 uh but the tampa san francisco game uh san francisco is pretty heavily favored uh they were 10 and a half point favorite uh but with san francisco's new defense with chase young uh, i think this is going to be a pretty low low scoring game for tampa at least anyway well i'm not sure how many points they're gonna be able to put up uh, you know in this one over-under number is 41 and a half this game, and I'm taking the under on this game. So you think it might be a 38-3 to victory uh, for 49ers? Somewhere in that range, yeah. 20, yeah, 28-10 to 10 type of game, maybe. Yeah. Something like that. I could see that. I could see that. I like if I had to go one way or the other, I'd probably take the under. I think I might, I might do the all-unders again this week, uh, just to just um, expecting the reversal to come back. Yeah, I'm, I'm, the door yeah. to swing back the other way very hard. Yeah, and because I know if I I know if I switch, it's going to swing back. So I or to swing, it's going to it's going to do whatever I'm not doing. So I'm just going to stick with the other because it's not going to stay. It's not they're not going to all go over the rest of the season. It's not going to do that. So right. um, I'm I'm going to under. I think under is right fifty like two percent of the time anyway. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the under. Well, it looks like the average over under is up a full point this week hmm. part of that may be though because the teams that are in the buys this week versus last week you know last week the chiefs uh dolphins and eagles were all in the buy 
And so having those teams in this week and like New England, Atlanta, Indy and New Orleans are the four teams that are out. So, you know, that over under number is going to be higher. That makes sense. It could be. That could be. Um, it also could be that I think people are a little more optimistic because overs were winning last week, so they might be more likely to bet over again because it's uh the hot right right in the hot streak or something like that. Yeah. Uh speaking of hot streaks, where where are we on the season in our in our uh locks of the week? I think I'm two games over five hundred. You are sixteen and fourteen plus two hundred dollars. I'm fifteen and fifteen. Even even Steven. Yeah. Well, we'll see if we could go even higher uh, over uh, next week. So maybe I can end up being 19 and 14, a comfortable uh, win. I, so if I go 3 and 0, which I certainly will. Uh, what to do that? We need to know what your third pick is. Oh, yeah. I didn't even reveal my third pick. I hinted at it earlier. You did. I, I talked about how much I enjoyed betting against the uh Green Bay Packers mainly out of spite I have it towards Green Bay and uh betting on the Pittsburgh Steelers because I don't understand why they win but they win and because I think it flummoxes uh Dr. Scaff uh there uh, at least maybe vex vexes we talked about the bits between vexing and flummoxing yeah uh, uh, I think I think it probably more vexes you than flummoxes you but um the the the, the, the it may the, be actually flummox it's it's very confusing yeah, that's what you're not. You're, you don't have the anger, but you have a you have a little bit of anger though. That there, it is. It's it's, it's, it's borderline flummox and vexed. Okay, if there are only a word that was between those two that also ended in X, right? We'll have we'll have to figure out what that is. If there is another word, we'll to, yeah, we'll have to get our thesauruses out for this. Flavexed or something like that. That would. Oh, just just make a like a combo word. A portmanteau, yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> portmanteau that thing. Yeah. So I am. Uh, so Pittsburgh is for a four point underdog to Cleveland. Pittsburgh already beat Cleveland earlier this season. I also think that it's possible that either Deshaun Watson will be out because he has uh, an ankle injury that he had MRI uh, yesterday or today. And uh, he, if he's playing, he might also be limited. Again, if your ankles hurt, one of Watson's best things is his mobility. So, uh, I and he's been he's kind of been you know a little bit gimpy uh, this whole season. So, and Pittsburgh always keeps it close. So four points, I can, you know, that means I get the field goal. So even if they keep it within a field goal uh, and lose, it's still uh, on the spread. I'm I'm uh, still happy. So uh, Pittsburgh at Cleveland. It's not like it's a far road game to go for them and they're and they're you know you know it's an it's two hours up the road from pittsburgh you know i'm sure the, the environment's going to be hostile but it's not like there's a travel issue or anything like that so i like i i like pittsburgh at least to keep it close and maybe even to win outright i haven't decided yet if i'm going to pick them uh to win outright but cleveland you know it seems like whatever team seems to be the hot team in the afc north that team loses the next week so you know, it was good. It was Baltimore and Cincinnati were seen as the two hottest teams in in, in the fo- in football. Each of them lost this past week, and I th- I wouldn't be surprised that Cleveland uh, loses to the Steelers. Even though the Steelers are winning, nobody thinks of them as a as a great team. So that's my third pick of the week. So that will 
hopefully send me up to 19 and 14 on the season and with a commanding uh uh profit uh one uh theoretically uh one so maybe i should become a amateur gambler on a couple of games per week uh and but avoid being the um making uh, all the picks making all the picks whereas dr scap i think volume is helping you rather than hurting you it does seem to go in my favor that way anyway did, did you see so the, far there was a big bet i guess the uh, a single game parlay that paid off with the uh texans win against the bengals Ooh. the four legs were uh texans to beat the bengals over 44 and a half running back devin singletary has a touchdown and over 51 and a half rushing yards so the late uh field goal to win tripped this bet that was a looks like it was like a five hundred thousand dollar bet wow which then paid off five and a half million dollars wow i would have thought maybe somebody bet you know a few thousand and won 15 times that but wow that's that's a lot of money yeah can you imagine dropping five hundred thousand? I guess if you're Jimbo Fisher and getting paid seventy million dollars <laughs> to not coach, maybe you start dropping five hundred thousand dollars. It's still one one hundred fifty second of your uh, <laughs> nest egg, though. I don't know if I'd drop almost you know two thirds of one percent of my 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 net worth on one football game, especially if it was a parlay, because like that seems insane. I think any parlay, <laughs> but because you, you you. Uh, you already are. The, the odds are against you on regular bets. On a single, because, on a single bet. On a single bet because of the because of the juice. You have to be, you know, even if it's not a coin flip. And then, you know, if you get some, if you even it's a two team, if it's if it's two part parlay, it's not that you win, um, you know, four times, uh, the money. You only win maybe. Two like and a half times, three times, uh, or yeah, and then yeah. and then it's, you it's keep going out. Multiplier. Yeah. yeah, you should be a sixteen. You should win sixteen times your money. Uh, you know, if uh, or get six get six get sixteen times. But uh, if you just made the four individual bets, you wouldn't have won ten x. Yeah, this bet though, that's so. But it is a worse payout than straight up odds that a casino won't give you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. But. Yeah. Well, we, we 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 agree on that. We were we're not parlayers, but maybe we will be in the Super Bowl because those are always just it's it's more fun maybe to have a, have the parlay. But it is. And so if I go to if I'm in Vegas or I'm at a casino and I make a bet, I usually make one parlay, but it's not. I don't put a lot of money on it. It's yeah, like, five bucks or something like yes, that. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and and I I've never had one pay out though. Although, and although I did um, pick an entire UFC card correctly one time, which I thought was was cool. I remember that, but it was it was just on an ESPN, you know, cool thing. But it wasn't. Uh, I should have done that as a parlay. That would have paid out really nicely. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was like ten. That was like ten fights. <laughs> we'll go to the track and do the exacta or something like that. <laughs> well, uh, should we should we wrap things up here? I think so. 
Well, if you're not, maybe if you're going to the track this weekend or uh, watching, uh, probably more likely uh, watching the weekend's uh, football games. Uh, and if you want to uh, place a bet, you can rely on our judgment uh, or simply go against it and probably do just as well or better. Um, but we here at the Warren Trek Power appreciate uh, your patronage, your your viewership. And uh, on, on that note, uh, I, as always, am Dr. Michael Warman, Esquire. He, as always, is Dr. Andrew Scaff. We are uh, the Warning Trek Power Hour. Please like and or subscribe to our YouTube channel or any of our podcasts on the various uh, podcast uh, delivery systems. And uh, we appreciate, as I said, again, we appreciate your viewership, listenership, audio ship, uh, spaceship, something or other, ship, ship. The shipping container ship. We, we, you, you missed a, an exciting uh, retelling of the Suez Canal uh, shipping container uh, mishap incidents. Um, but uh, anyway, you, the Ever Given, yes, yeah, it was it, it was fascinating. I'm, I'm sure your your our discussion of that discussion is only about seventy percent as interesting as that discussion itself was. So. <laughs> Consider yourselves um, unlucky. Just like I have been unlucky on this year's bets. But as always, we wish you a good day. <laughs>